Thanks for being on the show, Vanessa. Yeah, my pleasure. I've been researching a lot about you. I've heard you through Lewis, Lewis Howes. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Been you know listening to your episodes and your TED talks, and it's amazing, amazing what like the research that you have and the the ability to communicate that to so many people. So it's it's amazing what you've done so far. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We, you know, I, I'm a total science geek and I love looking at research. And so, Mm. um, I'm really scratching my own itch and I'm just so excited that there are other people out there who like research and people as much as I do. So I feel pretty lucky. Yeah. And I got to ask for someone that is studying, you know, really bringing the idea of people skills into a science, I'd love to hear a bit of the background of how that, you know, what, what really drove you to study this industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I joke that I'm a recovering awkward person. Um, and Love so, yeah, yeah. And I just had a really hard time in school with the people side of things. You know, mm. the technical skills were easy, uh, relatively. And finally, a professor said to me, I was, I think I was negotiating to get out of a, a group project. I was like, please <laughs> let me do it on my own. Like, yeah. I'm terrified of the group. And, you know, I, I, I was just afraid to speak up. And I was I really, I just didn't have the tools to do mm-hmm. it. And so he looked at me and he was like, Vanessa, the point of this project is not the prompt. It's the teamwork. And I was like, what? And he was like, the, what I want you to learn is working with people. It's not the actual essay and project. And that like blew my mind. And he was like, this is a skill you have to have if you're going to be successful in anything that you do. And so he really was the one who pushed me. He gave me a couple books um, and he was like, just start, you know, take your people, your book smarts and apply them to people smarts. And so I started to read about the science of people. And that was the first time where I was like, wow, this isn't just a soft skill. You know, you often hear, oh, people skills. It's a, it's a soft skill. You mm. can't really learn it. There's no, there's no real hard science to it. But I realized that there was, and you could absolutely learn it if you weren't born with it. Interesting. So, I mean, I think, I think a, lot, a lot of what you talk about is so relevant because a lot of us weren't taught that when we were in high school or even when we were in university. It's something that we kind of stumble onto and you know, I've personally, you know, let's say when I was younger, I was quite bullied and it's very difficult for people to jump back into that uh, state of confidence or being able to be sociable because they think that it's not really something they can develop. Um, and I guess what you're saying, it's, it's something that it can be taught. Yeah. And I think you're right. You're not alone that our our system kind of approaches people skills as um, a byproduct. Mm. A lot of it thinks, oh, you know what? When they're in the classroom, they'll pick up some people skills. On the, on the playground at recess, they'll pick up teamwork. While they're playing their sports, maybe they'll learn a little bit about that. It's yeah. sort of like a byproduct. Whereas it's amazing to me that in 15 years of, of elementary school and high school, there's maybe a health class or two on communication relationships. Yeah, it's so true. So you're not alone with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And now you're teaching thousands of people around the world about mm-hmm. how to become more confident and the importance of body language. Let's dig into that a little bit because it's it's so fascinating for me and I'm sure for a lot of people listening. You know, I think a lot of people have to go through these situations where you're meeting new people, especially if you're an entrepreneur or some sort of an artist, you're constantly meeting new clients or you're doing job interviews. And I want to go over some of the hacks that you talk about quite a lot. Um, 
first of all, what what are some of the biggest mistakes you think that people are making today that is not displaying the type of image that they want? Yeah. Um, so actually, I think that it's a tie-in with some of the myths about body language. So mm. um, some of the when I tell people, you know, I study body language, I study people skills, they're always like, oh, yeah, body language. I know body language. Yeah. Good eye contact, a good handshake, and good posture. And I'm like, that's a really good start. But it's like so little of the – it's such a little part of the story. So mm. some of the biggest mistakes actually come from those myths. Um, for example, eye contact. Most people are taught that good eye contact is good body language, and that means 100% of the time. But actually, um, 100% eye contact is a territorial cue. So when you make 100% eye contact with someone, it's actually incredibly invasive and a little bit creepy. Interesting. Um, and so men especially have been taught in dating or at networking events, you know, kind of look them deeply yeah, in the eye. Yeah, be confident. Um, yeah, and, and that is um, only half true. So in, in the average conversation – the um, ideal amount of eye contact is between 60 to 70%. It is mm-hmm. definitely not 100%. In fact, when you do 100%, you actually raise red flags in their brain that make them want to take a step back. Interesting. And so it's 60 to 70%. And that means absolutely speak with him or her with good eye contact, but feel free to look around, to gaze, to look down at your drink, to use your natural processing skills when you think. Like for example, most people when they're talking, they'll kind of look at you and they'll, they'll, they'll think up, they'll look up to the right or left, they, they process by looking out. That's how we naturally process. Right. So the other person, when they don't see you doing that, they're like, are they not thinking? Yeah, you know, are yeah. they trying to be aggressive. And so 60 to 70% is that, is that sweet spot. <laughs> Interesting. Very cool. Um, l- let's talk a little bit about some of the hacks that people can take away with, because I think there's a lot, you, you mentioned that I don't think we can go over everything during the interview, but you mentioned that there are one or two things that people can do uh, to make a great first impression. Mm-hmm. So within the first 30 seconds, I think, is people can really make up a visual image of who you are, what you represent, what your values are. So for someone that is trying to make this first impression, what is that one thing that they can do first non-verbally? Mm-hmm. And what is one hack that they can take away with verbally? Something that they can say, whether it's a, you know, a, I guess it could be different from a dating or interview, but what is that one thing that you think could have, there's a commonality between all of those? Sure. It's actually very similar. Um, there's 30 rules of body language, which is kind of cool. And um, almost all of them apply to romantic and professional relationships. So luckily, um, the science is the same, just different examples. So I would say like the biggest, you know, if I had to pick one, I would say that when we study leaders, so one of the things I love to do in my lab is study alphas, uh, both alpha males and alpha females. I find them fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm always on the prowl for alphas. Like I, I go to 20 20- <laughs> Or I, I'm working out and I'm like always looking on the treadmills for other for like alphas, male, female, um, yeah. and I, I will approach them and ask them to come into my lab and take my personality wow. tests. And that doesn't um, creep them I, out. Oh my gosh, they're so honored. Really? Always, always. Yeah, I'll, I'll come up to them. So in my first impression, right? I need to make a really good first impression really fast. So I see an alpha male on the treadmill. Uh-huh. And boy, oh boy, do I want his data, right? Like I really want his data really bad. And so I know that I have to instantly make a good impression so he doesn't think I'm a creeper. Yeah. So um, the very first thing I do is actually use the science that they do themselves, which is um, research shows that when we are first – when we first see someone, hmm. the very first place we look is actually not their eyes. It's not their face. Most 
people think it's the eyes and face. It's actually their hands. And um, we very, very briefly, in less than a millisecond, glance down at someone's hands before looking at their face. And we do this as a survival mechanism to make sure that, um, A, they're not from caveman days, are they carrying a rock or a spear? Um, it's how we gauge friend, not foe. And so mm. I always, always make sure that my hands are visible and both explanatory. So um, like, for example, the open palm gesture, we're on video now, but I don't know right. if you're, you're yeah, a listener yeah. to see, but open palm gesture, even like approaching like, hey, do you have a minute? You know, even that it's mm. showing your palm. It's actually the universal open-mindedness gesture. So I'm um, having your hands visible and then having them explanatory. Uh, for example, like using your hand gestures in your elevator pitch. That's what really, really charismatic people do. They don't just say, you know, like TED speakers, for example, like they take the stage and they say, um, I, today I have a really big idea and they widen their hands and they say, I'm going to talk to you about three things that changed my life. And they hold up the number three and then they say, and I'm going to give you specific strategies to tackle that are going to change your life. And then they have these really great hand gestures. So think about in your elevator pitch, how you can do it. So what I do is I'll often approach the treadmill, my hands very visible and I'll say, Hey, do you have just a second? I try to wait till they're like not running when right. they've slowed down their pace. Um, and usually they're like, uh, sure. They have no idea why I'm approaching them. Um, and then I, I tell them um, I'm a behavioral investigator. I run a human behavior research lab uh, here in Portland. And I would love, and I always like gesture to my heart, my heart gesture. That's actually a universal gesture for passion. I would love to be able to study you. I know that sounds crazy. So I acknowledge verbally that I, I know what they're feeling because mm. when you verbally affirm what you think someone else is feeling, they feel like they're heard. Because I know this sounds crazy, but um, I believe that you're an alpha and I love studying alpha males. We're running a research experiment on it. Would you have five minutes to take an alpha male quiz for me? And uh, I have never been told no. I've been told I can't do it right now or I have to do it in a few weeks. I, the same thing with females. Yeah. Um, because usually they're very honored. And, and most of the time they ask me, what is an alpha male or alpha female? That's right. um, how do you know that about me? And how can you be sure I really am? <laughs> like, can I, they basically are like, can I be sure that I really am? Yeah. Um, so, so how do fun. you know? I'm curious, like you go up to these people and mm -hmm. it, I'm sure it's like the most random question that they've ever been asked in their <laughs> yeah. entire lives, but they're probably not creeped out because you're, you're, you're using the 60, 70% rule. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you're yes, asking them exactly. the question, but how do you know if you are an alpha male or an alpha woman? Like what, what makes you think that they are? Yeah. So, um, it's the first, the first thing is the, is not measurable. And then we'll talk about measurable. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is not measurable, which is based on what's called thin slicing. So thin slicing is a term that was developed by Nalini Ambadi at Tufts university, who basically found that when we look at a face or a picture, or we see someone immediately, our brain takes a very quick judgment of them. And that judgment is usually 76% accurate, where we can decide their personality traits. There are five different universal personality traits that everyone has. Mm. And we're about 76% accurate in guessing those traits just from looking at a picture of someone. So it's even more accurate if you see them in motion or in, in movement. Um, so the first one is my gut instinct, right? Like I'm scanning, I'm scanning the gym, I'm scanning the crowd and looking for anyone that just thin slice pops out at me as someone who I think is um, a leader. Then I usually go into more of the measurable things. So uh, for a man, uh, how square is his jaw? Mm. Um, for a woman, I'm looking for a, a physical presence of how far back are her shoulders and what is the distance between her shoulders and her ears? In other words, does she wow. turtle down? 
typically leaders uh, don't turtle. They're not uh, very in that bow position. Yeah, they typically more, tend to have. Yeah. yeah, they typically have a greater distance between their shoulders and their chin. Um, so I'm, look, I'm looking for those kinds of cues uh, right off the bat. Now, I can't measure them with my ruler as I do in the lab. <laughs> um, I mean, I could, but I think that would be a little weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of eye, eye judging them, eye right. gauging them um, to try to take in their measurements. Um, and then a lot of it has to do with vocal cues. Um, as soon as they start speaking to me, how relaxed are their vocal cords? Typically, mm. leaders have very, very relaxed vocal cords. They use what's called a resonance point when they speak. So uh, the difference is if you if I if I get tense, my vocal cords, you can actually kind of hear that there's some tension in my voice. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm making them purposefully tense right now. Yeah. Now listen to the difference. If I speak on the out breath, I hit more of a resonance point. So if I say hello, mm-hmm. I get a much deeper resonance point where my vocal cords are very relaxed. Um, it's hard to do that on on command. I didn't even do it very well just then, but you can kind of hear the difference right. between that and so I'm listening for how relaxed are their vocal cords, how close are their resonance point. Um, typically, leaders and alphas speak more with that nice, beautiful resonance uh, for both men and women. So that's kind of <laughs> what I'm looking for. <laughs> Sounds like you go after the alpha males a little bit more, Vanessa. <laughs> um, well, in fairness, I'm at the gym, and typically the the gym is a a, a beacon for those alpha males. Of I course. do find more alpha females um, at networking events and professional like professional events. I will, I find them more there than right. at the gym. No, I mean you got to balance pleasure and work too, right? So for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I hope this doesn't make me sound like a total creeper. No, everyone. not at all, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about the nonverbal cues that we can do in terms of a first impression. What what is something that you could say or that we could say in let's say on a first date, uh, on a networking event or at an interview, that one thing or one sentence that we could say could that you know could help us connect with more people that could leave a more memorable connection yeah um i like to approach people verbally with what i call the like radar so um there is something called the similarity attraction effect which is basically that we i, I know we don't like to admit it but we like people who are similar to us mm. Similar in all kinds of ways, favorite color, favorite food, similar values. We just like people who are like us. Um, We even like dogs who look like us. So um, we are always on the lookout for who's like me, who's like me, who's like me. That's kind of what we're doing when we're at networking events and we're on dates. And so what I do is I actually verbally approach people with this like radar in mind where I am actually trying to find how are we alike. So when I'm asking questions, I'm not actually asking this like ones we hear the boring, what do you do? Where are you from? How are you? How's the weather, mm. right? Like, because it's hard to find like from that. What I'll often try to do is figure out what's similar. So um, you know, did they watch the game last night? Um, do they also know the host from how I know the host? Right, which is a very mm. different kind of question for how do you know the host? Um, what do they think of the red wine? I love red wine, right? Like, so I'm actually on the hunt for I am similar to you because I know that A, that's authentic, right? I'm looking for things that are, are genuinely there. B, I want to like them more. And so the more things I find that are like me, I'll like them. And B, I want them to like me more. And so if I show that we're similar, we do that. And so all of my questions are typically oriented in that um, framework and that makes you incredibly memorable. Interesting. So for in this case where you know we we might we might not be in person. I'm going to put you in the spot a little bit here. 
And sure. you were the person that uh, was, let's say, first met. What are mm-hmm. some of the questions that you would ask? And I love the way you, you framed it. It's questions. It's not, you're not trying to put something out there to impress anyone. It's actually yeah. a question. It's actually, you know, you're giving something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like in a, in a typical scenario, oftentimes I will ask, um, so what personal passion projects are you working on? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things and I'm just very curious. And so typically they, I've, I think maybe like a handful of times has someone mentioned something that I genuinely don't want to know about. Um, most things, even if it's something that isn't the same as me, I can still find something to ask about it. I think someone said recently, um, oh, I, I build miniature houses. And I was like, wow, wow. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a builder and I'm not super into miniatures, but I think that's really interesting. And so I was able to be like, wow, like where do you find inspiration for the houses that you build? Like, mm. are they templates? And she's like, Pinterest. And I was like, I love Pinterest. Right. <laughs> right and it's then, a commonality. Like, I see. Right, we had the commonality there. And then we were able to talk about how she finds things on right. Pinterest. And, how that works. and so, um, that's like a really, that's sort of my go-to question. And, um, you learn so much about people very quickly when you ask that question. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. And I love, I love that question. You, you nailed it. It's it, what are your passion projects? I, that's the question I would love to been asked. Um, and I think, you know, when we're going through these conversations, especially when we don't really know the person, there's a lot of silence that happens and we call it the awkward silence. And, yeah. you know, some people say that it's only awkward if you say it's awkward, but what are some of the ways that we can handle in terms of nonverbal? Cause I think verbally it's, I don't know how that would work. What are some of the things we can do non-verbally to feel comfortable with uncomfortable silence? Yeah, well, I'm a. Um, it's funny that you bring up silence because um, I was terrified of silence, like that awkward silence, like I, terrified. Yeah, me too. So much so that I would be talking to people and actually interrupt them because I was so afraid that a silence was coming, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is the worst way to interact. And someone called me on it, and very gently, very nicely, I actually wrote a blog post about it, and I decided to take a vow of silence. So I actually was silent for an entire week. Um, last summer. I do it every summer. I'm doing another one coming up this summer. Uh, Hopefully you'll join me. Um, I I don't even write. I'm completely silent. And I go to networking events, um, go on dates with my husband. Like I do it all except I'm totally silent because I learned to force myself into that space and amazing things happen in the silence. Amazing things. When you allow people that extra second or two um, to process, to think, they will often go deeper with you. They often add something. They will ask you a question that maybe they were hesitating on. And so I love the silence. Um, so first, respect it, right? Mm. See if you can let it go for another second or two. Maybe even take a vow of silence with me. Um, the nonverbal thing you can also do is um, you can do a slow triple nod. So the slow triple nod um, is kind of like a nonverbal dot, dot, dot. You're basically telling someone, please tell me more. Mm. Um, And so it's a very, if you have that silence and you don't want to jump in right away or you're not sure if it is silent or not, like sometimes you don't know if they're done, right? Like they're saying something and you're like, "Uh, are they done? You can do that one, two, three, triple nod to show you're waiting, you're engaged, you're listening. And so that is a nonverbal way you can, um, it's a nice filler between silences. I just, I unconsciously just did a triple nod as soon as you said mm-hmm. that. I don't, I don't know why. 
It's, it, it's called mirroring. That was your mirror neurons firing. Yeah, I can't help it. I feel like you're like psychologically just making my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all a psychological. It's all there, mind. yeah. <laughs> no, your mirror neurons. It, that's um, it's really nice. It's you trying to relate to me, and I did the same thing back to you. I love that, and this kind of reminds me for the people I I had Chase Jarvis on, and so the people that listened to that episode talked really deep about that. But it's um, have you heard of Vipassana before? The what? Vipassana, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, the 10-day silent meditation. That... Yes. It, did Chase do it? I, I, I know Chase from Creative Live, but did he do one of those? Uh, no, I think he said that his wife did it. So I'm trying to like ah. pressure him into doing it, but I don't know if he's going to actually, because he's, he's just got the role of CEO as Creative Live, so I don't think he's I know. got the time for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ping him together. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But that's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, well, I just want to wrap it off. And I, you know, I think what really differentiated you in terms of really breaking this down is, is how much you can break it down and how much I, just talking, just hearing you talk about identifying alpha males and, you know, the shoulder distance to the ears. I mean, it's fanatical. That's awesome that you can get to that <laughs> point. Um, and it sounds like you can really analyze a lot of things. So the people that are listening that may not be as attuned as you mm-hmm. Because for you, you can really present this this genuine, authentic person about yourself. Um, but for the people that are listening, that you know, are just kind of getting into the tune of things, how do they how do they uh, differentiate themselves in terms of trying to be authentic and trying to become the most genuine self while being able to apply these new skills, new people skills that they're learning, such as making eye contact or remembering when to lean back, it may feel uncomfortable or even unnatural for the other person when they're not really sure which steps goes where. So how do they still remain, uh, maintain their genuinity? Yeah, uh, two things. First, something that we talked about today hopefully resonated with you where you were like, oh, wow, interesting, or I've got to try that. That's the thing you should start with. And you should only work on that first. Mm. So sometimes people, they'll try to take on two or three tips at once and they end up sort of as this like body language Frankenstein where they're like, I'm doing hand gestures and eye contact and smiling and nodding and like you're like all over the place, right? So um, pick the one thing that kind of piqued your interest and just run with that for at least a week. Don't even think about the other stuff. And in a note in your calendar or in like a reminder, set to re-listen to this or the other cues you want to try. But just focus on one. That gives your brain enough bandwidth to be able to process what's going on and be authentic without being too distracted. That Mm. one cue, it can kind of just be a light reminder. And the second thing is gentle autocorrect. Um, Sometimes body language, you'll realize, oh my goodness, I'm in a really low power pose. You know, I have my shoulders pulled in. I have my head bowed. And all of a sudden you like jerk your head up and you jerk your shoulders back. Um, It's it's just a gentle – it's like a self-autocorrect, right? It's like, oh, it's a notice. Gosh, that's weird. I have my shoulders pulled in. Maybe this person makes me nervous. That's a good thing for me to know. Mm. And then gently autocorrecting it because that way you're learning your triggers – along with the behavior change, which is actually the most powerful way to maintain the behavior change. Yeah. And I think that also relates to having this vow of silence. I think when you're silent, you really understand yourself more and how you think and, you know, 
how you apply yourself as well. So I think those two definitely relate. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that um, those of you listening, you know, even if you want to take a vow of silence for one night, like mm. one networking event or, you know, just a few hours, it was one of my most powerful life experiences. And um, I would love to support you in that journey because um, I'm, I was terrified of silence and now um, it's where I've learned to grow the most. So hopefully that maybe that resonated with you and you can try it with me. <laughs> I love that. So just to end it off, what's the one thing that you learned about yourself during this vow of silence? That when I'm speaking, I'm not learning. Mm. Uh, And that's, you know, I think we go into dates and networking events and we're like, what can I tell them to impress them? What can I tell them so they think I'm funny and I'm smart and I'm whatever? Um, And that actually is not what makes people Anything you say is actually not what makes someone think you're smart and intelligent. Um, people emailed me. I'm not joking you. I actually could send – I'm thinking about posting the emails actually anonymously. But people sent me emails. I was, I was at networking events, but I just wasn't talking. Yeah. Um, and I had a little card that said, I'm taking a vow of silence. I would like to learn to be a better listener. Please tell me about you. That's all I had. Um, and so I would show that card to someone and they would be like, oh, oh, and then they would just start talking, right? They would just start telling me about them and I would just listen and nod and I would use all my nonverbal cues. I was like, my nonverbal was on full charge and, um, they would write to me. I had multiple people write to me afterwards saying that it was one of the best conversations they ever had, which (laughs) is kind of funny because I wasn't saying anything. It's not a conversation. It's it's a one-sided. Yeah, it wasn't a conversation, (laughs) but they had a great conversation with themselves, and that's great. And I learned a lot. And so, um, actually, they thought I was really impressive, even though I didn't say a word. So, um, it's a very interesting way that our our minds interact. And so, I would say that silence is actually maybe one of your most powerful cues you can use. (laughs) The irony in that, I love that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Vanessa. I know we have, we've got a giveaway that we are, uh, we're we're providing and it's going to be, so it's going to be a question that for those of you guys listening, it's going to be a question that Vanessa has prepared for you guys. And you guys can answer the question in the comments by going to thegrowthlist.com. And we're going to be giving away Yes, my body language for entrepreneurs course. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have a, a video course, and it's all the nonverbal tips that entrepreneurs need. And I'm happy to give away a prize. Um, my question is, what is your favorite non-boring conversation starter? Mm. Um, and so I want to know what is like the sassiest, sexiest, juiciest, interesting, interestingest. <laughs> that's not a word. Um, it's going to be a new conversation word. starter. Yeah, it's a conversation starter you have, um, and that will be, he'll get my course. Awesome. And so we'll pick the best answer out of a lot, and the winner will get Vanessa's course. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.